Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. This is episode 7, and tonight we're talking about the core. So it's late on a Friday night, and I thought I would do this episode a bit different. So let's have a nice evening and talk about a good disaster movie. So I've poured myself a drink, a new drink that I was recently introduced to. Uh, so here's a shout out to a friend for introducing me to Pims and Ginger Ale. This is a very good drink here I have in my hand. So let's talk about disaster movies. Some of my favorite movies are disaster movies. They're easy to watch. They're super entertaining. They're super appealing. Um, the Core is one of my favorite. Uh, it was one of the first ones I ever saw. Not the first one I saw, but one of the first ones I ever saw. Um, so there's a good list of, you know, I can list off so many here. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow, The Core, Twister, 2012, San Andreas, Volcano, Dante's Peak. Uh, you know, the Final Destination series gets in there, but that kind of falls more into the horror category. It's definitely a disaster movie, but I'm going to save that for October and horror movie, you know, horror movie time. So we'll stick to disaster movies, the PG-13 disaster movies that appeal to so many different people. So The Core, uh, you know, I, I, I chose The Core to be one of the first ones. Uh, it came out in 2003, so I was nine years old when that came out. And <clears throat> I like to think of it as my first disaster movie. So the first one that I saw was Twister, but that's my mom's favorite movie. So, you know, shout out to mom. Uh, that's one of her favorite movies. We watched it all the time. Anytime you would hear winds chime, uh, wind chimes, we would watch Twister. Because, you know, if you've seen Twister, there's that scene where the, the, the winds chime and uh, you hear the Twister come in. And that's, you know, that's, that's our cue to watch Twister. Um, <clears throat> that's a good drink. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's how we would watch Twister growing up. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever seen Twister, it's a great disaster movie. It has all the staples of a disaster movie, right? The, the the staples, you know, you have your, you know, your attractive male lead and your attractive female lead, and the the swelling music as they run into danger, and there, you know, there's a big twister, and there's a, there's a vein of comedy in all of these disaster movies, most of them at least, um, and uh, the comedy, you know, in Twister is the flying cow, but. I digress. This is not the twister. This is not the twister episode. This is this is episode seven, the core. So, um, but disaster movies in general, um, they follow you know a standard uh, motif, a standard sequence of events. Um, in my opinion, the best, uh, the best disaster movies, the ones I put on this list, um, they have a few elements. And so for me, those elements are: you need a few groups of people. Introduce the groups of people at the beginning. Um, you got your A group, your B group, maybe a C group. Uh, sometimes in the case of 2012, there was a C group. There was three groups of people that have to come together. Um, and, you know, you have to introduce them decently enough, give them a few minutes of screen time. Um, you know, character development is important. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I picked the core. You can kind of get the sense that, you know, the characters are written decently and you know the, the way they speak to each other there's references and they're talking about their wives and you know times they did this and that and uh it's clear that they've known each other for a long time time is you know past and it's in this time that's passing it's not 
you know time that you see on screen but the idea that it lays this ground this groundwork this foundation of character development and for me i'm, I'm all about character development especially in uh, a short movie you should you know they, they, there should be or you hope uh, in my opinion that there's a couple minutes you know dedicated to you know giving uh, some character development you know just kind of laying the the foundation of why we care about these characters what their motivations are um and that you know the heart of that for me of a disaster movie comes down to the cast um they really bring these characters to life and um most of the the disaster movies that i prefer and that i've always found that are pretty good they have really good casts um so in the case of the core uh you have aaron eckhart you know he was harvey dent in you know christopher nolan's batman uh hillary swank as uh, beck the upcoming NASA pilot, Stanley Tucci, uh, Alfredo Wood Woodrard, uh, DJ Qualls, his character Rat, he's the, the IT uh, geek, uh, who's completely very cliche, uh, who kind of makes me uh, question when I say that it's a well-written movie. Some of, the, some of the lines and some of the scenes are super well-written. And then there's some of the lines that Rat says that are just super cringeworthy. One of the ones that I always think of is uh, when they introduce the character uh, right after they introduce the character one of, so one of the favorite things is when they introduce the character I'll say that is uh, is the FBI is knocking on his door because uh, they need somebody that can control uh, information at uh, this one part in the movie and uh, so they, they, they go to uh, this character rat and when they introduce him the fbi is like knocking at his door serving a warrant and he's like oh shit and he you know he's looking through the peephole and he runs in as they're knocking down the door and he's like throwing cds in the in the microwave and, and microwaving the cds and he's uh you know clicking like control delete to delete things and and taking uh what was my personal favorite was taking um the uh, the paddles like the life paddles the resuscitation paddles that you would use on uh, on a patient in the, in the hospital or something in that situation and he's using it to I assume scramble or uh, fry the uh, the hard drives in his computers uh, when the FBI shows up and then it cuts to uh, to him sitting in a warehouse you know in this nondescript warehouse uh, sitting in, in the, like a little metal folding chair and they're offering him this proposition you know he's uh, you know, committed more computer crimes. Uh, you know, he's hacked all this thing, all these things, and now they're you know they're offering the ultimatum. Uh, you know, very hackers. Uh, you know, uh, very the the shady idea that uh, you know you get you know if you're a good hacker you get these uh, you know cryptic job offers from the government, however true or untrue that may be, and. So he's uh, kind of, you know, butting heads with the other characters, uh, Stanley Tucci, uh, mostly, you know, he, he challenges them like, you know, I think faster than you could ever think, uh, you know, I can process, we multitask faster than you breathe, it was one of the terrible lines, and somehow that you know, insult, I guess, uh, it upsets Stanley Tucci's character, Zimski, uh, who's, you know, he's introduced, Zimski is introduced, uh, I'll quickly sidestep to that one, Z Z Stanley Tucci's character is introduced by these big posters uh, in front of the New York uh, 
Met Gala, some some sort of big, uh, maybe it was in museum, I think, I'm not sure. Uh, and it has these big banners, has the Einstein Lectures, Mr. Zimsky, Conrad Zimsky, and that's Stanley Tucci's character. And that's, you know, they're laying the groundwork that he's a genius. And so this insult from Rat, this, uh, you know, I, I, I multitask faster, <laughs> I can, I can multitask faster than you breathe, uh, or, or something along those lines, uh, that really insulted, uh, you know, this Dr. Zimsky. And, uh, and then he says, you know, how many languages do you speak? And, uh, <laughs> the guy's like, I speak, I speak five languages and rat DJ Qualls. He's like, I speak one language, one zero one one zero one. With that, I can steal your identity, your fantasies, everything about you. It's just, I mean, the delivery is okay. the The actor, he's a great actor. Uh, he was he, he was in uh, Supernatural, one of my favorite series. But that is just that's just a bad line. And uh, then he does this thing. He grabs uh, he grabs Aaron Eckhart's cell phone, and with a gum wrapper, he does this like harmonica sound, you know, into you know using the the gum wrapper into the the cell phone. And you hear you know you hear him click a few keys on this on this beautiful 2003 flip phone, uh, and you hear him go like beep boop boop, and he's like, "You have unlimited long distance calling for life." And so they enlist him, they enlist this guy uh, to be part of their team. They need him to uh, control the flow of information, and I love this part. Uh, he's he's enlisted. His, his ability is to like create a virus that he calls the the virus bot. They really really hurt themselves coming up with that one virus bot okay really uh and it's a goal is to uh delete information and keywords as it's entered into the internet which i think someone at some point someone would realize that like they're they're making a post and they're like hey it just disappeared and they would just start communicating this on the regular news, but uh, that was a great stretch of the imagination on the part of the writers. Um, and the they hit a lot of flack, uh, the writers of these kind of movies, especially the core, uh, for having some of the you know the most inaccurate science movie uh, ever made. And uh, in my opinion, I think that's um, kind of hilarious that the inaccurate Hollywood depiction of science um, really seems to upset a lot of people and that it's somehow Hollywood's, um, you know, responsibility to educate the masses. I mean, they're not making a documentary, people. It's, it's a disaster movie. It's designed to entertain you and it needs to be, you know, ABC, uh, you know, kind of plot logic for people to follow so if there's any sort of science it's dumbed down it's watered down it doesn't need to be real science because it just it needs to make sense and it needs to be uh, explainable bit for bit you know they need to be able to regurgitate it five different ways uh, you know they need to be able to say it somewhat scientifically and then there's the, the the cliche that someone says could you speak it in English and that's just that's the type of movie it is so when I'm you know reading the the trivia or the the production gaffes and they're like well actually you wouldn't be able to walk around at 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit you would just die instantly I'm like obviously obviously you would die instantly but first of all I would also like to point out that is an actual gaffe that somebody wrote on the IMDB page but that completely ignores the fact that they clearly established earlier in the movie that the suits that they're wearing these 
look like oven suits to be honest they're they're supposed to be like um terranauts by the way that's what they call themselves they're not astronauts they're terranauts because they're going into the earth and so they have their space suits they're you know they're terranaut suits and they just they look like those heat suits that you know firefighters would wear the silver heat suits but there's kind of more you know, like fitted to the body, like a like an astronaut suit would be, and they established that these suits are supposed to withstand up to five thousand degrees Fahrenheit. So in that sequence in the movie, when this character you know sacrifices himself, it's a great you know it's a great sequence that happens later on in the movie. You know, you can't just you can't just shit on that and be like, oh well, you know, he would have died instantly. You can't survive that long in that kind of heat. Like, well, first of all, he didn't. He, he expired quite rapidly, to be honest. And the scene was really well done. They're negating all of that just for the fact that it's not scientifically accurate. It's honestly, it's just not supposed to be. It's supposed to be entertaining. And the scene has swelling music. And you know, they've established that this character, you know, spent his whole life. Dreaming Dreaming to make you know this ship, this the 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 writing, this this uh, you know like uh, Earth Cracker with this giant laser on the front, and they're you know journeying to the core, and you know he you know he just decided that he's gonna you know sacrifice himself for the better of the mission, and you know the there's like sizzling and his suit is melting because you know they they established that it could only get to five thousand degrees and it's nine thousand degrees, so to get you know, to get grief for being scientifically inaccurate is just, it's, it's ludicrous in my opinion. It's hilarious. It's hilarious to put that responsibility, that onus on Hollywood to be scientifically, scientifically accurate in their movies when the movie is just, it's a piece of entertainment. That's it. And, and to assume that writers need to go out and be, physicists and understand the laws of physics just to write a movie is also uh, an outlandish request and onus to put on uh, you know an entertainment uh, industry and a little, little side tangent on uh, you know haters on the on the disaster movies just uh, sit down turn your brain off and enjoy the action sequences and you know try to try to connect to some of these characters in these high tense you know situations that are you know unfolding on the screen so let's draw it back in um uh you know let's draw back into the core and and what the core is really about so the core is uh there's something that has stalled uh the well the core the engine as they call it the engine of the earth has stalled in one of their uh exposition scenes and the so the the gist of it is that it's causing all of these electromagnetic the em field around the world is going to fail and uh it's it's kind of almost the, the opposite of a lot of other disaster movies um in this case the uh the government and you know even the military give them their credit in this movie they uh they recognize that there's something happening and they immediately start requesting the most educated the the smartest the best in their fields the men in black of, of uh you know science and that's where you know our characters come in the government uh you know they request they show up it cuts you know after the first uh you know in instance of 
you know, people just dropping over dead. Uh, you know, something goes wrong and, you know, a bunch of civilians drop dead. Uh, they go and they bring in, uh, you know, Joshua Keys, Professor Joshua Keys, you know, leading uh, Ash, you know, leading physicist in electromagnetics and, you know, his friend who works in such and such field. There's a lot of science uh, mumbo jumbo being thrown around. And, you know, as I said, it's, you know, it's not very accurate, but it, it makes sense for the movie. So they introduce uh, Joshua and Serge, you know, this French uh, gentleman whose name I'm just going to butcher. Um, so, check, check, Cario, check, check, Cario. I mean, it's a T C H E K Y, and the E has a little, little chapeau, little apostrophe chapeau on top. Um, I don't know. Uh, I apologize for you know, butchering this this thespian's name but it's it comes not to me and now i've now i've transitioned into being british this drink is 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 getting to me a little bit but um i digress um and i'll try not to be british anymore um (laughs) so it introduces these guys and they've clearly known each other there's a great shot of two uh two vending machines when they walk in it's a nice 2003 pepsi and mountain dew ad on the giant vending machines though i will say that's probably the last blatant uh what do you call it uh advertising that you see in in probably in the whole movie and then uh well there's a lot of nasa branding but i mean that's a kind of to be expected in a movie that's like we're in space and we're using the space shuttle well you're gonna have nasa right um so from there you know they introduce uh stanley tucci and it they they spend they spend a good amount of time introducing the characters maybe the first half an hour is assembling this team and that leads to the second best thing that you can put in a disaster movie and that is a montage you just need an exposition drop and a bunch of like fast pace we're gonna build this amazing rocket ship you know that is going into the ground and it's made from it's made from guess what unobtainium that was yeah that was again they're you know they 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 stretch you know they really stretch themselves on coming up with these amazing uh new words just you know recycle reuse and recycle that's the that's (laughs) the the gimmick in hollywood so it's an unobtainium uh you know uh Terranaut subship that's gonna bore through the earth into the molten core and get down into the uh, the core of the earth. That's that's their goal. And they you know they have Rat now uh, who's gonna who's gonna filter the internet for the next. Like they said it's gonna take three months and like ninety billion dollars or something. Uh, when they introduce the character uh, Braz uh, is the character that they introduce um, who's played by Delroy Lindo uh, and he's uh, you know he has this you know this grand design he shows them all these amazing things and the characters all like you know uh, mad at Stanley Tucci's character uh, because he's rich and he stole a guy's patents but meanwhile he's like sitting on technology that would make him filthy rich like just sell that to a mining company you have a drill you have some laser thing that can bore through a mountain 
You don't think people will want that? And you're salty that you didn't get some other guy's patents? Like, I, I get it. They're supposed to be showing that, like, he's in it for the, the pure science. And, you know, Mr. Joshua Keyes is, you know, he's a professor. But, you know, Dr. Zimsky, you know, he, he sold patents and he made money. And, you know, there's a, there's another scene where, like, they're getting off um, a helicopter. And it's it's like a downpour. And they're getting ready to board. Uh, the They call it Virgil, the ship that they end up building during that amazing montage. And there's this scene where... The, the, the first uh the first like five people get off and they all have these like military uh bags uh you know they get the first people have military bags hillary swank's character um she's recruited uh to be the you know like the pilot of this this new ship virgil and uh so they uh they show up and they have all these like military style bags with like patches on them and then uh you know uh braz and that's there you know delroy linden's character and aaron eckhart's character joshua they just have like you know backpacks you know standard luggage and then stanley tucci comes out and he drops his gucci bag like on the tarmac you know it's getting rained on and he's just like oh i have to do this with all these people and he's so unhappy it's just it's hilarious you know this the contrast here between these characters Characters. And now they've all gathered on this platform, and they're you know having a little toast. And uh, this is this is the point where they you know they coined the term Terranauts because they're going. I uh, know, sorry, they they, they coined that uh, the first time that the the characters you know all meet for the first time. The you know, they're going to be the pilots, and you have the you know uh, jo- Mr. Joshua Keys. You know he designed this uh, MRI sort of technology to scan. You know they're they're going to be underground, so they can't have a windshield, uh, which uh, you know they they use these screens internally to see uh, you know through solid rock it's like an MRI it's an x-ray of the ground and uh, you know uh, Serge is there because he's a you know an expert of weapons you know and uh, at first they thought it was a an attack and uh, that's how they figured it out you know you know d- uh, that's how they figured out that the 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 the, the, the cord stopped spinning because of who they the government was looking at you know their their field of expertise and they put it together that like you know if this happens and this happens at first they thought it was an attack so they brought in Serge and 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 uh, you know D- D- Keys because he's you know EM field and what if it was a, an electromagnetic attack on the United States and then when uh, you know they said that it wasn't possible they were like okay go away and then you know obviously they're scientists so they kept you know they kept looking and they kept searching and then he realizes like oh no you know like I have to do these you know he goes back to his university and he does some he runs some tests and he tells his graduate students to you know drop everything and run these tests and you know it zooms in on on eric eckhart and he's like "Ah, please please let me be wrong (laughs) you know he's like he doesn't want you know the end of the world to be at risk and uh you know there's some great lines throughout this uh movie you know it's kind of the duality of one of these movies where you know some some scenes are really well written like i said and then you know like some are terrible uh you know they're just so cringeworthy um and uh one of the funny ones in this one is like when he tells the graduate students that uh, you know like i need you to do this like drop everything and he's like what you know how, how there's going to be a lot of data to, to do all that research you know it's 2001 and data is at a premium <laughs> it was you know it's long before the unlimited data and downloads days of the 2020s and uh he turns around and says you can use the the t1 line to look up your Sailor Moon crap, you can do this. It's just, it's such a topical reference for 2003. You can use your T1 line to look up Sailor Moon crap. That, that is so quintessentially 2003 that it just makes me 
makes me cringe and 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 die a little inside all all at the same time you know it's just like oh that's that's 2003 uh i was i was like nine so i barely i barely remember what a t1 was but i do know what uh sailor moon was in like dial up and the uh, terribleness that was that uh time of the internet uh so in in this part so they when they once they've gathered on the platform to go down into the earth uh we're about like an hour in of a, like a two hour and 14 minute movie and i'm gonna i'm gonna have a sip of my drink here so let's just uh, i need to i'm getting a little dry mouth here uh there we go. Uh, so they uh, once they're on this platform, um, we're about an hour in, and uh, you know they're they're kind of noticing that like oh, there's there's no there's no media. It's weird. We're you know this is unusual. We're gonna save the world, and no one's gonna know about it. And uh, it's you know there's what it is. You got it. It's a secret mission to save the world. So they have this this pretty cool launch sequence, and the movie is a, I would say it's a pretty good melange of practical small models and and cgi uh so like there's a scene where they blow up uh the the coliseum the rome coliseum uh that's like like the literally the scene right before they're you know they're gathering on the platform for launch and they realize that like you know the 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 worth it the the worth <laughs> the the storm is worsening and the earth is you know getting worse and uh, there's this big uh lightning you know electromagnetic uh discharge is what they call it it is happening and it's causing these big lightning storms or as the guy says like like a thousand lightning storms per kilometer per minute or something something wildish like that and uh, it happens in rome and you know they're watching it from this like command this nasa you know command center style uh setup and it cuts to rome and there's this uh th there's a pretty good uh 10 minute video uh that i watched that was like called like to the core and back and it's with a director uh, and and some of the other gentlemen in the movie and the director John John Emile he he explained how uh, one of the things he wanted to do was that in in some of the other movies that were made like this in the 80s the 70s uh, your deep impacts and stuff like that that the uh, when they have these these scenes of destruction you know in your disaster movie uh, the the audience the, the not the audience <laughs> I hope the audience isn't happening it'll be a bad day for the audience uh, but the the people are small they're flat you can't really make them out so in this there was real scenes of people you know it was supposed to be like an italy setting they're you know they're sitting i think i started doing a little accent uh it's italy uh, <laughs> um they're they're sitting there and they're having their baguettes and that's french they're having their croissant uh whatever they have and uh then there's it's interspersed with cgi scenes right that's the idea so it's not all uh, just graphic effects and and uh, computer generated stuff you have real scenes real people and then what they also do is they use miniatures so they they have your computer generated effects you have your real scenes and then you layered it on top of even these miniature scenes so when they they blow up the whole Coliseum in this like grand display of uh, you know electricity it starts with like a real person scene and then it cuts to like a miniature and then it cuts back to like a real shot and then it cuts back to a CGI shot and you layer these all on top of each other and i mean it stands up the movie's almost 20 years old and some of the scenes look really well done uh there's another scene where they they they, they 
the uh, what was it the Golden Gate Bridge, the one in San Francisco, it just uh, it collapses, and uh, it was actually uh, I'll give them uh, you know the haters, the people who you know put the production gaffes uh, or what whatnot. Um, the sun, uh, you know, the UV rays have found a hole. And there's this it was a great scene of like the water boiling and like you see the fish rising to the surface and it's coming this like this literally like this sunspot of like deadly sun uv rays that's the idea right it's coming towards the golden gate bridge like san francisco and it starts like you know it goes across slowly and it's melting through the asphalt and it's melting a line like you can see right through the bridge and it goes over this guy's car and it breaks the window and burns his arm, but it doesn't melt through his car. So it can melt through the asphalt and the super strong steel cables of the Golden Gate Bridge, but it doesn't melt his aluminum <laughs> painted car or his arm. It gave him a freaking sunburn. I mean, I know it's not. I said I know it's not uh, Final Destination, but you could have thought that one through. The sun was like what choosing how strong to be and how intense to be. That was was kind of a weak part in the movie. Um, but uh, you know, he was explaining uh, that that was his goal to have the layered effect of real scenes with real actors layered with you know some practical effects the miniatures in an actual miniature exploding and then add you know your cgi and your computer generated effects and uh, i'm going in for another sip of my drink i'm getting a little uh dry mouth here and out of breath uh it's uh it's a lot of work uh, talking for almost uh you know 20 15 minutes here like yeah, you get uh, you get winded. You gotta whew, you gotta take a breath. Uh, so, like I said, Pims and ginger ale. It's late Friday night. It's uh, it's almost ten o'clock at night. So, if you're listening to the show later tonight, I'm gonna post this probably around ten when I get through the editing. So, if you're listening to this tonight. I hope you've had a drink. I hope you're going to have a great weekend. Uh, this is episode seven of the Nerd Review. So I'm just going to have a little drink here. Oh, there you go. Wet the whistle. Um, so where was I? Um, they're on that platform. And they're about to... Like, it's a pretty cool... It's set up. They, 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 some of it is... I, w- I would give them a C plus on the accurateness of the scientific not maybe not the science but the practicality of what they designed um the ship is very uh it's kind of a splice between uh what's the name of the ship the nezer the nezerber the nezlerber the 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 nezerba tesla well the 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 stupid ship from uh the matrix uh, i can't remember the name of that the nez the nezbler or something and uh the the millennium falcon which obviously uh, just you know two very iconic uh ship shapes ship shapes <laughs> ship designs cockpit designs and that's kind of what this looks like uh it's a big snake they have you know their unobtainium uh core that gets you know <clears throat> excuse me i'm uh, getting the burps now from uh my pims and ginger um, they they get stronger as it gets hotter. Uh, they, you know, people said that that's impossible. Uh, you know, they don't. You know, metals don't retain strength as they get as they get superheated. Uh, but you know, that's you know, movie magic, man. Movie magic. You know, that's what if that's what it, that, that, for that that's it for me. That's the defining rule. If that's what they say happens, that's the science of the movie. 
don't question the science of the movie. We don't live in the movie universe. They live in the movie universe. They set the rules. <laughs> so uh, the ship gets stronger as it gets hotter. All right, cool. Uh, it's made of unobtainium. It's a big snake. It divides into compartments. They have a thousand tons, thousand something of, of warheads on it. It's being... Oh, they, they, they specifically mentioned that it's being run by an experimental nuclear miniature nuclear engine which comes in handy at the end because he has to pull the, <laughs> the fuel rods out and 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 melt his hands uh, a little bit that's uh josh uh, jo joshua uh his character uh <laughs> aaron eckhart's character has to like melt his hands and uh and if anyone heard the crashing sound at the end of that last portion that was the cat knocking over a bunch of crap uh, i think he got spooked or he got stuck on uh, the carpet there uh, or like we have a carpet around their food and i think he got his claw stuck or something and when he you know pulled and shook and so he crashed into a bunch of stuff so i had to get up and and go check that he was okay and everything was okay and nothing broke and uh, you know, he didn't break any glass or anything like that no everything's good he's fine uh, so uh, where was i uh the ship uh they call it virgil it's it's super well designed uh you know, except for the parts that are not well designed that will come back to haunt them. Uh, to the uh, to the credit of the character and even the writing team, when they question the uh, the not well thought out parts of the ship and uh, why it was designed like that, the character looks at them and says, I had three months to build it. I didn't expect to be sabotaging it intentionally because they realized that, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're mad you know at the beginning they were like you know science is all just best guess uh in this you know when it comes to like you know determining what the core of the earth you know what these metals are going to be you know it's like liquid metal and it's going to be x density and we need you know x or y amount of bombs and uh it's all best guess and when they get down there when they get into the core uh, they're like oh it's you know our best guesses were wrong and they have to come up with a plan b and you know plan c and stuff uh but i'm getting a little ahead of myself uh so there's uh there, there's some great uh parts in in this uh the movie so after the montage and you know now there's the the duality they're going to split a little bit into your plot a and your plot b and uh, the plot a is following your main cast, your Hillary Swank, your Stanley Tucci, uh, and your Aaron Eckhart, uh, you know, down they're in this cockpit, they're in the spaceship now, the Terranox ship, sorry, you know, they're not in space, they're going into the earth, they're going to the core of the earth. And we're following them, and the B plot is, you know, Houston. It's ground control, and that's that's where Rat, uh, that's where Rat is hanging out, and he's hanging out with uh, Alfreya Woodrard and uh, you know the the commanders and all these people, and they're uh, they're feeding them information and trying to figure things out as they go along. And at this point, it's a lot of... Uh, so what was kind of cool is that they didn't have to come up with groundbreaking CGI for this part. Uh, they had explained that, you know, they they would be basically flying blind. You can't see through rock. Um, that's where... Uh, I mentioned this before. That's where Joshua comes in. He created this, like, MRI thing. He said he had designed it for, um, you know, deep sea exploration and, you know, exploring. You know, he's a, you know, he's a physicist, geologist kind of guy. I'm going to take another swig of my drink here you know, this, uh, this recording biz makes you uh, a little uh, thirsty and I like to reach for a glass of Pim's and ginger ale 
as my attempt at a little commercial. Um, maybe I should uh, do it with a British accent. Uh, that's not that's not British. That's Scottish. That came out Scottish. I can only do pretty pretty good British accent, but um, that that came out wrong. Um, so, uh, or was I? Uh, yeah, they're uh, there's the plot A, the plot B, and uh, so they're feeding each other. The the CGI, the CGI. At this point, uh, they didn't have to give you these amazing graphics. So what you see on their like their cockpit, they have multiple screens instead of a a windshield because they're supposed to be like going through molten rock and stuff, and it's basically just like an MRI of rocks. They're seeing through different kind of rocks, and the first. You know, the first obstacle or the first uh, issue is that the screen starts showing static. And, oh, what's what's that? What, what's this going to happen? And uh, it's Joshua. You know, he looks at it and he, they're trying to, like, you know, it's all these, like, brilliant thinkers. And he's like, it's nothing. Like, what what's nothing? And they realize, like, oh, shit. They never, he never programmed the computer to read air. You know, like empty space. It's supposed to show rock and through rock. So they realize that there's a big pocket of empty space. And the duality of the good writing when Josh was like, I never taught the computer how to like how to show how to read like space like empty space and and uh your brad's character he's like he turns and says and i never taught virgil how to fly which i think is some sort of like reference to them being like you know like this sort of like dante thing you know they're going into the depth of hell and and so they they could they crash through and like there's this now there's some good cgi scenes in my opinion it was pretty well decent you see like the length of this ship and there's like parts of it that are spinning you know they're supposed to be like drilling through and uh they're literally falling through uh, like just darkness you don't know what they're falling through and then they crash and it turns out it's a big geode i personally love this part you know it's underground it's all molten rock and stuff and there's this like perfectly formed ginormous geode like with like the amethyst thing like an amethyst crystal when you break it in half right you have all these little bits and pieces um and uh is it was really well done there's like again it was layering you had the the the, the practical and the cgi and the actual actor scenes and uh going in for another drink there kind of kind of slow down you know learning learning how to pace myself a little bit in these videos uh, videos it's not a video it's a podcast <laughs> the the uh the drinks getting to me here um so they're in this amethyst they're in this this big uh geode and that's the first obstacle they kind of like fell through some space and they got to take an inventory you know make sure the hull wasn't breached and uh so in that respect everything's good and this is where the first uh you know they're dealt their first blow and they're having to like cut through this big piece of amethyst that is jammed up the uh their their they call it an impeller and um i believe that's because they're like it's not a propeller that's an in like it's some, i think it's a reference to like uh propulsion or some sort of like reference to the fact that it's like this laser that's supposed to like cut through the rock in front of them and so it's blocked up there's this big piece of amethyst in the front and they're cutting through it and uh joshua you know he's all valiant when they're using this sort of like uh oxygen oxide cutter thing it, it uses oxygen to like like laser beam shit <laughs> i don't know if it's scientifically accurate again uh and 
you know, it, it, it stops working and they're, you know, they're pressed for time. And so he puts his uh, oxygen tube, he, you know, he feeds his oxygen into the cutter. And the other character, you know, he doesn't realize it. And he's like, yeah, it's working, it's working. And then, you know, they're like, oh, Joshua, you know, Serge is inside and he's like, oh, Joshua, his his vitals are dropping. What is happening? And, uh, and then he collapses and they realize what he's done. You know, he's connected his oxygen and they're like, that was... That was such a brave thing you you did out there, uh, you know. And that was you know that was Beck, that was Hillary Swank. Uh, once they brought him in, she's like, "You're not a you're not a soldier, or like you're not trained, and you're, you're really just a professor." And he's like, "Yeah, just you know, like she's a university professor doing what what needs to be done. I'm all American, go Joe, <laughs> you know, white bread uh, hero guy over here." And and then she's just like, "Oh." It was the most bravest thing I've ever seen anybody do. And she's supposed to be, you know, like this, like, trained, you know, like, uh, suave NASA pilot woman who uh, who's, like, very, you know, educated. They, you know, and like, she's she's well-trained, too. So, like, that's a, that's a, like, a high degrade of, high degrade, high grade of compliment coming from her character and thus begins the romanticist of the you know tight quarters between uh beck and joshua because uh, obviously there has to be some romance um though it's not it's not too outwardly they they share one kiss at the end and then they talk about like getting a pizza which i i respect you know you went through some shit you know they, they went to the core of the earth and back um so after the amethyst so like what happens when they go through the amethyst is they break through the crust right so they they crash through the top they and and there's like a slope a bit of a slope that kind of like catches them and keeps them from like shattering into bits and that uh they they start letting the lava like the liquid metal of the core starts pouring through lava lava magma however you want to pronounce it uh starts coming through and they realize like they breached the crust they broke the crust they gotta hurry up and this is when they're dealt their first blow like i said uh so beck was was uh, accompanied uh by another gentleman uh they're like uh, from from like nasa uh this, <laughs> this uh you know they, they you can't just have uh one uh, you know, one person from NASA. You need you need a co-pilot and a pilot. So at the beginning, uh, Beck is the co-pilot, and she's uh, the the original pilot is Iverson, uh, Richard Iverson, Commander Richard Iverson. He's played by uh, Gre- uh, Bruce Greenwood. And uh, let's uh, let's take another uh, break here for uh, a sponsor from our liquid friends. He's goddamn my mouth is getting dry. Um, and uh so this character dies um so this is the first time i mentioned him uh because he's uh he's the the first uh fatality he's not really that big of a he's a decent character he's in the movie for like 50 minutes um but uh he's just there to teach teach hillary swank her lesson about uh being a leader you know he has one scene uh with her where he's talking about uh you know being a leader isn't about ability it's about responsibility and having to make the hard calls 
Thrones, uh, which obviously, you know, it's just a bit of foreshadowing. And uh, so I, I think his his demise is, is decent. Um, it was really well done uh, as well. You know, the cinematography, the filming, the the uh, the I'm, I'm trying to avoid saying the word execution of his death because it just sounds it sounds so good um and uh, there's a piece like so all the amethyst is breaking right there's there's lava lava magma whatever whichever word you want to use for it is falling through the ceiling the at the top of i should say the top of this big rock that they're in this big geode this big hollow geode with all these amethysts you know giant like 10 foot 30 foot you know amethyst crystals inside um and uh you know if anyone's having a hard time picturing it it's one of those like right white rocks that when you crack them in half they have those like purple crystals inside you see them at like gift shops and stuff think that but like a hundred feet tall and there's like all these crystals inside so it's breaking it's like glass right it's all falling and when they're getting Joshua inside you know they successfully cut through the big piece of amethyst that was blocking them up and this one piece it just falls through and they kind of show you it and it's well it's well CGI it's good good graphics VFX um, and it goes right through you know right through this guy's helmet and there's just this single line of blood that comes from his hairline down his forehead and it goes across his nose and and they're looking at him and he just falls backwards into the growing pool of lava and that's the end of you know commander iverson and now you know hillary swank uh beck her you know her character has to uh you know you know she's thrust into the pilot seat and and while she's dealing with his death she you know they're yelling at her to we'll do all these things you know like close the bulkheads like back we gotta go you gotta do this like are you listening and and she's just you know reeling that like her you know this this person that she's served you know you know on these missions and, and spent all this time with and trained her has just died and uh it's, it goes back to like what I was saying at the beginning about uh, just the connection that these characters shared and the performance that they that they give. Uh, it's just it really comes off the, the screen and that it really lasts. I, I mean, it lasts for me for 20 years is I still think this is a really good uh, movie. Excuse me. Another break from the sponsors, <laughs> which would be Pims and Ginger Ale. Uh, so and uh, so they continue uh, through the uh, through the the core at this point, and to quickly wrap up um, just the plot here, uh, they realize that the, the I mentioned this before the core is a lot thinner. They have to they have to like rearm their warheads, and so at this point um, they they don't know that exactly yet. After the commander dies. And something that I noticed in this movie that doesn't happen in a lot of the other movies is that the cast dwindles. Uh, in a lot of your disaster movies, there's this like magic bubble uh, around your main characters, where like everyone around them, you know, the peripheral characters, they're all gonna just, you know, they're cannon fodder. They're gonna, yeah, you know, like Wilhelm scream uh, off off the sidelines. Uh, if people aren't familiar with the Wilhelm scream, uh, you can you can Google that. Uh, is it was an actual actor by the name of Wilhelm uh, back in. Uh, early 19-somethings, 1930s, uh, he was filming uh, you know, a cowboy movie, and he gets shot in the leg with an arrow, and he... he oh, excuse me. Uh, my uh, my pims is uh, coming back up on me. But we're just going to keep rolling with the punches. Um, so uh, he... Uh, 
he gets shot in the leg with this arrow, and he he screams out, rah, rah. I don't I don't know how to do it. My best Wilhelm scream is, rah. Uh, and uh, this this scream, his scream was so well captured that they've used it in countless movies, uh, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. Just uh, you want to want to look up a good video? I recommend just go up to YouTube, type in Wilm Wilhelm W I L H E L M. Uh, Wilhelm scream, and yeah, you'll uh, you'll find that uh, you'll find the original clip and some compilation videos. Highly suggest it. So they leave the amethyst, and uh, while they're uh, you know they're preparing for you know detonation and stuff, Serge is still alive. He's still there. Oh, spoiler. Um, he uh, they they they're going through a diamond field now, uh, which shows up as black on the MRI. You have to avoid. You have to avoid the black uh, spots on the screen because it's it's so dense, it's so hard that you're gonna crash. You know, it's gonna cut open the ship. It's not strong enough. Um, and they're going through a diamond field, and it, it now it breaches the hull, and you know this is dangerous, and they have to uh, they have to stop. Uh, they well they they can't stop. Sorry, they have to uh, get out of the way. They have to dodge all these uh, <laughs> these diamonds, and it it breaches the hull, and that's when um, that's when the next character Serge uh, dies. And it, there's a there's a there's a duality here too, and uh, how the first character dies is really fast. You know, the amethyst falls, and he dies, and he falls back into the lava, and he's gone. And then with Serge, it's he's like he's trapped. You know, the bulkhead doors close, and the room is getting smaller. And it happens in like two minutes, but it feels like you know it's dragged out. Like the seconds are there, and that's the acting. That's uh, you know Joshua, um, his acting. Uh, you know uh, Aaron Eckhart's acting is just so is so emotional in those scenes you know he's screaming like open the doors open the doors like i was begging you to open open the door and you just you ignored me and you let him die and then that's you know like the the climax when like you know like hillary swank is like you know like i i i, I had to make the hard choice and you know like i i'm the one who you know hit that diamond i couldn't uh, i was you know i wasn't good enough to to avoid it so i killed him twice and and then uh, you know there's a little bit of conflict between the two the two characters and you know he comes around and he realizes that oh, she's a she's a good character and she's a good woman. She didn't mean to, uh, you know, she didn't she didn't mean to kill him. And you know, she has everybody else's life to uh, to consider in in this uh, in this mission, and they have to continue. So after Serge dies, uh, you know, we're left with just the four. Uh, we got Braz, you know, the guy who made the ship. We got Stanley Tucci, uh, who's still around. Uh, we got Joshua, who's still around. Hillary Swank, and uh, so now we're on like the last, the last leg of the movie at this point. And at this point, they've, they, you know, they enter this softer core. And when the, you know, Zimski, Stanley Tucci's character, uh, he realizes that their estimates were wrong. He starts redoing the calculations and running the scenarios. And they realize that the all the nukes they brought to do this detonation and to you know start moving this liquid metal, you know, that was the idea. You you know detonate all these nukes and it pushes you know all this you know metric tons of you know liquid metal and that would jumpstart the earth's you know engine you know they kept calling it the the engine of the earth has stalled and uh, they realized that 
is not going to work. They didn't bring enough. It's too, uh, it's not dense enough. So in his words, the explosions will just fade away into nothing. They won't cause, you know, reverberation and bounce back. So it's off. They need to turn around. And that's when he unveils his secret plan B. And he tells them about this project that he made uh, with the military called Destiny, which was firing, you know, uh, these EM fields or EM pulses, uh, electromagnetic pulses into the earth to create targeted uh, earthquakes. And uh, that's their best bet to jumpstart the earth is to fire Destiny again. And there's this little scene where they're like, uh, it's one of my favorite scenes, honestly, a little exposition drop. And they they foreshadowed it a little bit, the, like the, the term destiny and this like top secret thing. Uh, when when Joshua's character, Aaron Eckhart, uh, when he meets Stanley Tucci at the beginning of the movie and, you know, Stanley Tucci is kind of like, you know, accepting that, you know, the engine, the earth, the core has stalled. Uh, when, when, you know, Joshua, when Aaron Eckhart leaves, uh, Stanley Tucci goes over to this dresser and takes out, you know, this, this filing cabinet dresser or whatever. Uh, he takes out this file. This is like top secret and it says destiny on it. And he picks up the phone and says like, I need to speak to general or, or we like, we need to talk. And you realize that it's, it's the same general that puts together all this team and, that they did this thing destiny and i think there's one or one or two other scenes where they're like he's like you're not in charge because like i still don't believe you about you know like what what we did like with destiny and so it comes out that it's this electromagnetic field pulse thing and uh it's joshua that accuses him of like having caused this and he's like we killed the planet you know you did this and 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 that's how you know like so uh, one of the other characters like how do you even know like you're so arrogant how do you even know that your little project would even reach the core of the earth and he's and that's when he puts it you know the other character joshua he puts it together and he's like he knows because he's already done it you know (laughs) and uh so they're like they argue and uh this is one of my favorite scenes so uh stanley tucci and they're talking they're still talking to houston right like their ground control um and they're like we have to we have to go back and uh uh so uh so they're like we have to go back and and they're like no we it's time for plan c like what do you mean plan c and and joshua uh, aaron eckhart is like we we keep going and we restart the core somehow and that's when uh stanley tucci's character zimsky just like totally loses it he's like they like they're gonna wipe us out like we gotta turn back now uh if we're lucky and then he just starts like going on he's like this is a stupid ship i didn't come down here to die you might have anything to lose but i have everything to lose we can't just go on a suicide mission he's like i didn't this is a stupid ship and that's when when uh brads gets up and and he's like get out of my face and he turns around and he just punches him like he just like zimsky just gets like knocked out and he's like and brad's just like it's not a stupid ship <laughs> he's just like you like insult everything but don't call my ship stupid and aaron eckhart's like 
was it was gonna happen sometime. Like, it was just, it was so it was so well like pent up. Like all this emotion and drama was swelling up, and you know, so now the characters have like signed on for this like Plan C. He's like restart the course somehow. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a brilliant idea. I can't believe I'm stuck in this floating septic tank with you lunatics. You have you have nothing to lose. Uh, so that was like his whole speech of just like it's like now turn it around and you know because they're they're basically going on a suicide mission and uh so they keep you know they keep uh running at the numbers and uh you know stanley tucci like uh he comes to and he's got this like this nice purple welt on the side of his face and uh that's when they come up with uh they have to time out the the explosions it's actually zimski stanley tucci's character that comes up with the res the the resolution uh the to the problem and it's like they gotta that's when they need to eject the pieces of the ship and that was like when they were like oh you built this ship and we have to like we have to go outside to do the ejections it's not it's not really outside but they have to go uh into like this inner tube part that's filled with like exhaust and it's like nine thousand degrees fahrenheit and uh so the the character braz the one who built virgil he's the one who decides that you know we you know if i if anybody has to sacrifice themselves out of this group uh he built virgil and he you know he's an older man and he he lived his whole life dreaming of being able to build his ship and now uh, you know he has this really again it's the duality of of a movie like this the really well written lines against the really well the really poorly written lines and the well written line is like if Virgil needs more blood then it'll be my blood and uh, he's just you know he puts on his suit and then he kind of lowers himself down and uh, there's this it's, it's a good scene you know like he, he stands outside and there's a little bit of CGI layered into it he's you know he's taking this uh, crowbar he's, you know, he needs it to like move the lever or something or whatnot and as soon as he steps outside like there's wind resistance right it's so hot and it's like pushing him and this crowbar just like heats up like like red hot like it's instantly and like he has to drop it and the music is swelling and his shoes they start to melt and it's there's like this sizzling like sizzling i don't know how to make a sizzling sound effect <laughs> um and his you know his face plate begins to crack and the light goes out and the music is swelling it's getting more intense and they're all like cheering him on and and he manages to get to the 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 hatch and you know he 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 it's a hydraulic press that he has to like release so that they'll be able to eject each stage of the uh, of the ship individually and the idea there is that they need to do that because, uh, like the warheads, if you ejected the warheads individually, they would just explode right away, which was the original version of the plan. But now they need the warheads to be protected and to like, like let the timer go off so that they'll explode, like actually like explode on the timer. And they need to time that down to like the millisecond in specific places, like they're kind of like circling the core, the inner core part at this point. And so that's what they started doing. So that's the final part. So you know braz he you know this character he, his character he's kind of like the martyr he he goes down for, takes one for the ship and we're left with uh you know aaron eckhart uh we're left with stanley tucci and hillary swank the last three characters and so there's uh you know it cuts they, they keep jumping time because you know like it takes a long time for them to you know like arm up these warheads and then uh there's a sequence of them like lifting uh these couple warheads uh and setting them up in the 
you know, in the ceiling and doing all the, the, the calculations that need to be done for the timers. And as they're coming up on the last one, they get hit by like a flare and the ship the ship cast, you know, it cr- crushes to the side. And it was it was pretty well done because for a moment, you're not sure if Aaron Eckhart or Stanley Tucci is going to come out as the hero, um, you know. And there's like a 50-second portion where Aaron Eckhart is pinned down and Beck is like, I have to close the doors. Like we're running out of time. And there's like, I'm gonna recur. I'm gonna correct in like ten seconds. Like hold on to something. And Aaron Eckhart's pinned, and Stanley Tucci is like, I, I have to go. Like one of us has to finish. And they have that like that moment of like eye contact. And then she corrects, and it and it, it shoves all the cargo and the warhead over off. Of, of Joshua, of Aaron Eckhart, and it lands and it rolls over on Stanley Tucci. He like he hits his head and it rolls over his ankle and you hear like the bone, like the crunch sound and he screams and, and she's down to like 10 seconds now. She's like, I have to seal the bulkheads. We have to eject. And, and he's just like, go, go, go. And, and Aaron Eckhart just goes through the bulkheads and the doors close and uh, he does the ejection. And uh, then Stanley Tucci is just trapped. Uh, in the core of the earth in this little compartment with a warhead that is now, you know, uh, armed to explode. And, uh, you know, as he said, like it was a suicide mission. And uh, so he's one of the characters that uh, has to, has to, you know, sacrifice himself to save the world for this, uh, this last, this last uh, attempt, their plan C as it was. And so uh, the last two, they, they eject the last one, but uh, they realized that like um, they needed to amp up the explosion. Uh, one of them, I think it was, I think it was Zimski, they, he didn't, uh, it was a little bit of science mumbo jumbo, you know, he didn't, uh, what is it, what, he didn't, uh, what was it, he didn't equate for the MRI bias or the EM bias or some sort of some sort of wacky mumbo jumbo and uh, they needed to make the last explosion uh, bigger and so Zimski's like use the fuel rods and that's where the nuclear the small uh, nuclear engine the one that they talked about that they were very specific about mentioning a few times because it has a fuel rod it has a nuclear fuel rod and that's where uh, Joshua you know he's all valiant and he has to you know he has to pick up this like it's a container and you can hear it sizzling and you know he tries to pick it up with uh, like a loose piece of chain and like the chain just like melts instantly so he has to like pick it up with his hands and uh you know he has those those gloves on which is supposed to be good until like 5,000 degrees or something but I've, I've never looked up what an active like nuclear fuel rod like what its active temperature would be so i assume that would be pretty hot and you can hear like sizzling he has to like lift it up like a whole flight of stairs so you can just imagine that it's like burning into his glove and like melting all that like nicest like whatever like oven mitts are made or whatnot it's just like that stuff is just like melting into his hand at that point point and uh a little sponsor break from pims and ginger ale <laughs> and uh so the you know the music's getting more intense and they have like you know they, they everything's timed down to the second and beck is calling them over the comms and she's like i think the comms are out you know i think that flare damaged the comms and he's trying to tell her that like he needs to take you know the fuel rods their power source for this last bomb or they're gonna you know they're gonna get uh 
and they're not going to be able to make it it's like make, make the world start again you know like everyone's going to die so he does it and when he does it like the whole ship loses power right so like now they're trapped and they're just sitting there waiting for the timers to go off they had timed them like two hours you know like the first explosion wouldn't happen for two hours they had originally planned on you know having enough time to escape uh the blast and now they're not gonna have time and uh so uh they're just sitting there they're just sitting there waiting to explode and they uh they realize that uh the ship converts you know like it, it like the ship run on was running on the the ener- like the heat or the energy that was being generated from the nuclear uh engine so they take like they literally just rip out the the plug i guess like the other end of the nuclear generator that was like going into the wires and they just like they just like tack it on like with a soldering iron to the side of the unobtainium submarine and that the heat, the raw heat from the walls uh, is enough to like jumpstart the <laughs> the space the spaceship the the Terra ship the Terra not ship which I mean again this kind of begs a lot of questions like if the wall of like the interior wall of your your craft is hot enough it's like it's transmuting enough heat for it to like run the whole ship wouldn't that mean that if they touched it it would also be like deadly hot like how are they just walking around inside when they just been broiled like a long time ago they've been in this ship for like two days at this point just like boring through the earth at, at like a you know like a few knots and that's their speed they're going like 20 knots or something all the way down all those lonely miles of the earth and uh so they get um, they managed to ride the nuclear explosion up just uh, just Beck and Joshua, just Hillary Swank and uh, Aaron Eckhart are the lovely survivors of this. And they, you know, it's dramatic. They make their way up and then they, they get saved uh, by by the, the general and Rat and uh, all those characters, you know, the little A plot and, a plot and B plot. Uh, meet back up and they there's uh there's a nice scene where because remember like at, at one point they said like this was like a like a secret mission and at the end uh you know joshua and beck are like it's unfortunate like all these great men had and all these great people had to give their lives uh and all these people died you know all around the world men and women and children like all these like innocent people have you know, been like affected by this and no one's gonna know like the truth like it's all being hidden and they're like well maybe it wouldn't be and and so you the movie ends on a really weird on a really weird funny uh scene after they've been saved of rat in his little hat it's just 2000 hat going to an internet cafe which is just so quintessentially early 2000s and he pulls up his laptop and uh he has this thing called like a rat network and the online like the 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 visuals that they've created i always love uh one of my you know my day job internet tech you know tech support here uh you know so i'm always on the internet and and so it's it's quite hilarious what they've come up with here is very not plausible i mean if you want to get if you want to say the science is not plausible the internet networking uh what they demonstrate here is just is just malarkey uh, to be honest and he he leaks the whole story and it ends on this like zoom out of like you know like a digital earth and all of these like news organizations publishing this story about like what happened and
and all these ca- all these people, you know, Serge and Braz and Brazelton is his full name, and and you know Conrad Zimski and all these guys who like and and you know Mr. the Commander Iverson and all these people that you know died and what was actually happening and the cause of it. And they're asking like what was destiny and you know was this actually caused by you know hubris and people trying to uh, you know create some sort of new weapon that you know destabilized the earth and so the movie starts to like first it's that like digital earth and they're zooming out they're panning out and then it's like just the earth and the last the last two lines last six words are dj uh, qual uh, rat and he's like destiny meet world world meet destiny and he like he drops the files and there's like this really breathy 30 seconds to mars uh 30 seconds to mars song yeah uh that just like it's just like and you know and it, it was such a weird tone like any other like just a, like a standard ballad or like a rock song or just like some nice guitar but like one of those weird 30 second to mars breathy songs while they like slowly zoom out into space and have a bunch of letters and names flying at you now for that slow end crawl was just just like well that's a weird tone shift from what we just had five minutes ago but all right you do you guys <laughs> so that was uh that was the core from beginning to end uh well not from beginning to end that was the core and just in general uh some great scenes the, the plot the gist of it uh i i love the core uh, it was a great movie. Uh, there's a scene at the beat. There's a, there's a very good scenes. Uh, some good, very good scenes. One of my favorite is the birds scene at the top of the movie. Uh, very Al- Alfred Hitchcock. It took them six months to do the VFX because like all the pigeons uh, in Alfred Hitchcock it's crows, but in this is pigeons. Uh, to do all the pigeons, there's actually a really funny part around the nine nine and a half minute nine and a half minute marker or somewhere around there. Uh, if you pause it. You'll actually see a, a fish, like a bass or a trout, uh, crashing through the window <laughs> instead of like the flurry of birds. The VX team, the VFX team, uh, thought it would be funny. You know, it took so long to do all of these birds to do this really long scene with all these birds, so they thought it would be funny if they just threw in a fish like there's just a fish attacking people or maybe it was being carried by one of the birds that you know went crazy and he's just like whipping like take this yeah yeah stinky people take this fish and <laughs> uh so that's that was that was quite comical if you if you want to do a freeze frame on that uh there's uh there, it was there's a lot to say about a disaster movie like this um there's an equal amount to 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 not like uh if that's your opinion uh in the box office it lost about ten thousand ten million dollars i think it was um i mean it's a certified rotten movie like uh it has uh an audience score of 33 percent uh you know a a critic score of 39 percent uh so its budget was 85 million and it only made 74.1 million in 2003 money so i lost about 11 million dollars and a little bit more if you include like your uh what would they call it advertisement budget they never really uh they never really let you know like those numbers out um so if you factor that in maybe they lost like 15 million uh if not a little bit more so it was definitely not um the most profitable movie of 2003 uh probably a lot of that money went to getting some of those really big actors to 
play in this movie. Um, and I mean, it is what it is. It goes down as another one of those one of those early two thousand uh, disaster movies that'll probably go by the wayside, and it's gonna be talked about on probably those what is the worst movie uh, you know it gets brought up for being one of the most scientifically inaccurate movies uh, which is quite funny uh, in contrast when you watch uh, some of the interviews um, like I said there's that video with the core to the core and back with the director and uh, they're, they're talking about how they tried to make it scientifically accurate and uh, apparently they didn't do a very good job because man did they get skewered for not being scientifically accurate um but one of the things i did i did agree with is that um it's 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 you know a lot of people were going into outer space they were exploring the ocean uh this was the first movie to go in like not just in a cave but like literally drill through the earth and explore inside the earth not a middle earth but like literally like the physical inside of the earth which was uh from a technical standpoint they talk about it was pretty interesting they had to create all these images that was like what does the inside of the earth look like so they came up with the giant geode um you know the lava the diamond field stuff like that um it's pretty cool i think that's technically uh challenging uh, you know it took the team six months just to do the freaking uh pigeon scene so and then they layered that like i said they layered that onto like the scenes with um you know the humans running around the humans the the actors running around um and uh, this is a great time for a drink from our, our the lovely uh pims and Ga uh, gatorade uh, pims and gatorade no pims and ginger ale pims and gatorade probably wouldn't taste very good and um so from uh from that kind of from from that perspective it was it was really well done i liked the uh i liked the vfx i liked the um the layering of vfx uh the 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 light well not light use i would say it was actually pretty well used but the light use of combining it you know like it looks it looks really bad when you have mediocre vfx and then you try to layer a person standing in front of it. Um, but those scenes were few and far between, and most of the VFX scenes were entirely VFX, and they've always been able to do, like, brimstone and fire and, you know, like a nice uh, metal-y spaceship, uh, you know, in 2003 standards. Those are still look pretty good um, by 2022 standards, so I give it a thumbs up uh, in that regard. And that's um, that's all I can really say about the core, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think I've covered uh, pretty much every uh, aspect and facet of this, uh, in my opinion, this great, great disaster movie. Uh, so I recommend it. I think you should check it out. Disaster movies are some of my favorites. Uh, we're going to check out uh, The Day After Tomorrow, probably, for the next episode. Uh, unless I change my mind or pivot to some other form of media. Maybe it'll be a book. Maybe it'll be a comic book. Maybe it'll be a video game. Um, I'm uh, currently playing a lot of different things. There's a lot of uh, irons in the fire, if you want to use an old super topical <laughs> reference. Um, but there's definitely a lot of things to uh, consider. So if it's not the day after tomorrow, it'll be some other super entertaining, super exciting, super cool, 
probably a terrible uh, forgotten movie that, by my opinion, is one of the best uh, movies ever. Um, but we'll we'll see. I'm going to put my hens on the basket or my eggs in the basket as they say on the day after tomorrow being the next episode um but until then this has been episode seven this has been the core and this has been a great a great evening and i hope you've enjoyed this episode i hope you've enjoyed the last episodes i hope you enjoy upcoming episodes i hope you enjoy the videos on youtube there's a couple of them i'm a bit behind uh youtube videos are a different learning curve there's a lot of editing involved in uh maintaining uh, you know a podcast and a video channel so check it out if you're interested i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've enjoyed this episode this has been the nerd review of the core This has been episode seven, and this is the nerd signing off.